0: Thank you. I I have a schedule to keep. Welcome to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. I will lean down. Oh, it's okay. I can lean. I don't want to mess up Ryan's Ryan's wiring here. So uh, welcome to Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. For those of you that haven't been here before, um, I I need to ask everybody to turn off your cell phones. Uh, We don't want cell phones going off. Uh, This session is recorded. So uh, be aware that it is is recorded. Um, Hopefully we don't pick up too much ambient sound. It can be downloaded at the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs website, sacpaw.ca. It'll be available in podcast form there. Um, Shaw Television uh, broadcasts the presentation part of it. Mr. Craddock back there is the fellow who does that. Um, As I mentioned a couple of times, but I see there's a lot of new people here, Uh, questions have been submitted in written form and we'll gather them and we'll make sure there's a good variety of questions. That young lady right there holding up the official SACPA garbage can, she's the one gathering the questions. So uh, today is, is a very special day for SACPA. In its, in its 50, well, just over 50 years of existence, there's never been a sitting premier who actually showed up and, and spoke to the assemblage. And, and that's amazing for two reasons. One, that it, it takes a lot of guts to do something like this, because we do not, we got nothing from the Premier's office that says these are the only t- kinds of questions you can take. There are no conditions on this, so the questions that I sift through will be the questions that you all submitted. There's nothing preordained, and, and that, takes, that takes a lot of guts. For the second reason is that in 2015, uh, when the NDP took power in Alberta, I, I was promised an apocalypse, and, and that apocalypse never showed up, so SACPA made it to 50. <laughs> happy birthday. We're, we're going uh, to start with a couple of introductions here. I'm going to start by introducing someone, actually. I- I'm very proud to introduce uh, Professor Leroy Littlebear. He is uh, the fellow who gave birth, I-, I mean actual, literal birth to the Native Studies program at the University of Lethbridge. But he... He did, he did not stop there. He ushered it through those difficult teenage years when it rebels and it doesn't listen to him and things like that. And he carried it through for almost 30 years and made it, I mean, a shining light in Alberta's university scene. Uh, I interviewed him once in, in around 2003 when he won a Distinguished Alumnus Award. And, and he said to me, he said, education is the solution to all your problems. But he... But he said it like this. He said, education is the solution to all your problems. I don't know if that's how he meant it. That's certainly how I took it. And so ever since that day, I've tried to remain as educated as possible. Uh, a, respected, uh, a, respective, a respected educator throughout the province, throughout the country. Uh, he's spoken everywhere. He, he's, he's taught everywhere. He's done some amazing things. Um, he's going to get up, and then I guess I'm going to get back up and introduce someone else locally who's a, a pretty important person as well. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Leroy Little Bear. Thank you
1: very much. Have you ever been in a situation where you see lots of people, some of them are far away from you, you make eye may contact with them, but you can't talk to them, so you could just give them a little wave. We call that a microwave. <laughs>
2: oh,
3: jokes.
1: So I'd like to give a microwave to everybody. <laughs> I'm introducing myself as Lowhorn. I'm of the Small Robes Band of the Blood Tribe, and we belong to the Blackfoot Confederacy. Thousands of generations of our people have come and gone on these northern plains, living in eco bio balance with the totality of the territory. That that balance included keystone animals like the buffalo. That balance results in a spirit mutual between humans and the environment. It is with that spirit that I would like to give a special welcome to Our honorable premier to Southern Alberta. I won't mention the win. And it's with that spirit that on a daily basis we continue to relate with. And in that spirit, I'd like to sing my clan song to welcome our honorable premier and to maintain that mutual relationship between the land and the people of Southern Alberta. We honor that spirit through song, stories, and ceremonies. I would like everybody to join me in your own way in this beautiful house of prayer, in this short prayer to call on that spirit to welcome our honorable premier. (laughs) (laughs) Anak kenal mian cepik sewa kak suruh makan si kat semua anak kita perspektif kena and kak anak sewa itu piwa kak anak tuu cai tu piwa kak anak nak sakh koi suruh makan si kat semua tu kena tu pinan ama khnohtak si pih pinan si kak can eat to Mr.
0: Thank you, Leroy, that was beautiful. Uh, Now I'm going to introduce uh, the MLA for Lethbridge West, which is her most important job. I'm going to introduce Shannon Phillips in just one second. First, I'm going to say that she's, let's see, she's Minister of Environment and Parks, uh, Minister responsible for the Climate Change Office. That's that's not what we know Shannon Phillips for. What we know her for, because we have history in this area, is she was a, a disturber of, let's say, the status quo. For a long time, uh, there, uh, it's a family-friendly gathering here, so I'm going to say she's a status quo disturber. Now, after years of powering through that morass, she is suddenly the status quo, and there are people disturbing against her. But this is what she fought for. This is, this is why Shannon put up with the slings and arrows that she did, and it worked. Uh, she's MLA for Lethbridge West, and here she is, Shannon Phillips.
3: Well good afternoon everyone. It is uh, such an honour to look out and see so many uh, uh, friends and uh, friendly faces and uh, uh, really this is uh, uh, SACPA, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs is of course the best of Lethbridge in so many ways and I am so honoured to share this time and share the best of Lethbridge with our Premier. Uh, this afternoon and uh, I'm not going to take too much time in introducing her uh, because you know her. Uh, You know her as I know her uh, which is uh, a woman of uh, steely resolve, hard work, compassion, determination with Alberta in the very center of her heart. She leads her government that way, she leads her cabinet and her caucus that way. Uh, uh, With uh, Rachel Notley what you see is what you get. She is no different behind uh, closed doors as she leads us, as she leads this province. We are so fortunate in this time to be led by such a woman, and it is my great honour to introduce her here today. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you very much for that very kind introduction, Shannon. And uh, it's really a pleasure to be here with uh, um, uh, both Shannon and Maria uh, from uh, our NDP caucus. And uh, as well, uh, thank you, Leroy, for that beautiful welcome. that was that was uh, wonderful. Um, And of course I would like uh, as well to acknowledge that we are gathered here today on traditional Blackfoot territory and would also like to acknowledge the Métis people of uh, Alberta who we know share a very, very deep connection with this land. And uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for inviting me uh, here uh, to speak today uh, at, uh, at at SACPA. Um I understand that I received about ten invites, uh, roughly, uh, <laughs> since I got elected, but uh, it really is a pleasure for me to be able to be here with all of you today um, and to, to join you in the great tradition of respectful, debate uh, that uh, the southern Alberta Council on public Affairs has uh, generated in a in an unprecedented way quite honestly uh, here in Lethbridge and and Shannon spoke to it but but uh, and I think you all know but 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 SACPA is a is a gem really um, within this community and uh, and it's something that I think all communities we could we could use more of more of you um, across the province um, for over 50 years. Since 1967, you've provided a a forum for for diverse points of view, new and exciting ideas, and even the occasional politician. And in all cases, uh, you've allowed for thoughtful, constructive, uh, informed debate, which I think is something we need uh, more of, not less of, uh, in these times. Uh, Last year, we we lost the founder of SACPA, and one of the great champions of Lethbridge, Gordon Campbell. Mr. Campbell and George, or sorry, Gordon, uh, Gordon and his family, you know, we've kno- I've known them through my family for many, many, many years. And we all know he was a, a strong debater and he loved to get into it with people. But above all, he was always very respectful. Um, and so uh, uh, I'm very, very proud to be the first sitting premier to be able to um, uh, take part in this long standing institution. And I'm here today to attempt to carry on uh, the legacy of thoughtful and respectful conversation. And in that tradition, uh, what I'd like to speak to you about just for a little bit today um, is, you know, the future of our province. Just, just a s- small little thing that we can probably wrap up in about 20 minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, when we have that conversation, is that too far away or too close? Better? Okay. Good. Uh, When we have that conversation, and as I do have that conversation, uh, I think uh, it's very important to talk first about uh, where we have been as a province and how that impacts where we find ourselves today. So I'm not going to go back the whole way, but I will go back to 2015 uh, when our government got elected. Uh, it was it was a bit of a time. The price of oil uh, was in the midst of collapsing. It ended up collapsing much further than we had anticipated. Uh, several months after uh, our election, uh, we were in the midst of losing well over a hundred thousand jobs across the province of Alberta. Uh, our non-renewable resource revenue, uh, as a province, was plummeting by by over seventy percent. Uh, generally speaking, as an overall view of things, newly elected, we, uh, uh, were handed pretty much the worst economic downturn in at least a couple of generations. So, you know, one might say our timing was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, that these, how, th- how these things go. But here's the thing, you know, being a progressive government, governing during a severe economic downturn, in my view, that is actually where the rubber really does hit the road. Um, Up until that time, austerity had been the name of the game. Every time an oil boom turned to bust. Uh, We'd see cuts to already crowded classrooms. We'd see hospitals blown up. And once again, we'd hear the odd logic that somehow our economy would get stronger if we could only more lay people, lay more people off. Uh, But, you know, for us, in our government, uh, austerity, it just, it wasn't on was not the way we were going to go. We said that the economic recovery would be different because it would be a recovery that we would uh, stimulate and then once we started to see it happen, we would ensure that it was a recovery that helped everyone in the province, not just a few people. Um, And we decided that what we would do is we would focus on the needs of everyday people and families as we did that work. Creating good jobs, protecting public services, and making life more affordable for families who were struggling. So, let me start just a little bit about the work that we set to do as uh, as far as it related to the matter of creating jobs. To create good jobs, we put tens of thousands of Albertans to work building our province. Now, given s- the size of the infrastructure deficit that we inherited, it wasn't actually terribly difficult. One of the many areas where, we, where investment was needed, was our schools. Not the only area, but one of them. Parents and and teachers across the province had been saying so for years. They were sick and tired of the government sending out press releases and additional press releases, followed by more press releases. And then finally, the the inevitable press conference where the sign was actually put up in the field, where the sign then remained in the field. Um, And uh, in all those cases, promising new schools where none were ultimately built, or very few. Well, we promised to build new schools and then we followed through. When we got elected, we discovered that a number of the schools that had been previously promised had not actually been funded. So the first thing that we had to do was to fund the schools that Albertans had been promised. And then we decided we needed to go forward and we needed to continue to work with our communities, with our municipalities, with our school boards to continue that that work, to catch up on that deficit. As of today, hundreds of new schools are either built or being built. This morning, I announced a new elementary school for Lethbridge, uh, adding to the new one that we opened just last year. The decision to make sure that our kids have safe, modern classrooms shouldn't be dependent on the oil price. And uh, quite frankly, they shouldn't be dependent on decisions that in many cases are made a world away from where we are. I believe, and our government believes, that our kids deserve much better, and so we are delivering. Now, At the same time, our government has also been investing in highways, in bridges, and civic infrastructure across Alberta. Last year alone, we upgraded nearly 1,500 kilometres of highway. Why? Well, because to benefit from the rich and the generous land that we call home, we need roads and bridges. We need to get from point A to point B. They connect workers, they connect resources, and they connect Albertans to the world. Building better roads also creates jobs, good family supporting jobs right across Alberta. Take the work that we did here in in, uh, Lethbridge with your municipal leaders to make sure that uh, the Cavendish Farms investment went through. Your municipal leaders deserve tremendous credit for that. We were able to work together with them nimbly and efficiently and improve the local infrastructure uh, that that the project required. And because we acted, that investment from this is the single largest private sector investment in the history of Lethbridge, creating hundreds of good jobs, and that's important. You know, last night I was uh, speaking with Shannon, and she was telling me about about a friend of hers who who uh, um, is has spent much of his adult life working uh, as in construction, uh, back and forth commuting cap- back and forth from Fort McMurray in the oil sands. Uh, but but now, you know, he's married, or, or th- he and his his partner have uh, two young kids, two and four. And because of the investments that we've been making over uh, the last couple of years, he's able to stay and work here in Lethbridge. And that's good. That's good for Lethbridge. Uh, that's good for the, you know, the community as a whole. But it's good for his family. It's good for those kids, you know, two and four. It's, it's, kinda, it's nice that, uh, that the whole family can stay together um, uh, when the kids are, are that age. And that's the kind of thing that we think about when we think about job creation and investing. So as we invested to build Alberta for the future, we protected and improved the the services that regular families rely on. A big part of that means just making sure that schools and hospitals and and more can rely on stable, predictable funding for their operations. And let me touch on just a few examples uh, that make a difference, such as our commitment to post-secondary funding. People come to places like the University of Lethbridge in search of better lives, to learn new skills, or to improve on a skill they already have. A well-funded post-secondary system is vital to making sure that our province can help people get those skills and keep them working here in Alberta. And I know that here in Lethbridge you know that fact more than many, many other communities across this province. Funding for places like L should not be on the chopping block every time the price of oil drops. Some people say it should be. I disagree with them. To plan courses and recruit great faculty, our colleges, our institutes and universities need stable, predictable funding, not massive cuts. A strong post-secondary system attracts talented people and companies to Alberta, and we need more of it, not less. There is no skills training strategy or job creation strategy without a post-secondary strategy. And it's for that reason that we protected post-secondary funding and kept it stable and predictable with the 2% increase in our most recent budget. Beyond post-secondary, another area that we've invested in has been mental health, where we are f- fixing or working on fixing. I won't say we are fixing. It's not fixed yet. That's too, too optimistic. But we are working and focused on fixing years of inaction better, faster access to mental health services, better interventions for struggling children and youth, and more help for Albertans who battle substance abuse, including more support workers, new detox beds, new treatment spaces, and yes, dare I say it, safe consumption sites. You know, um, I talked about that a little bit on the radio this morning, and and uh, you in Lethbridge here know the community came together to support safe consumption sites. We know many lives have already been saved in the short period of time that the safe consumption site has been here. We opened uh, the first safe consumption site in Edmonton last Friday. Within 24 hours, a life had been saved. There is no question that this is an evidence-based way to move forward to save lives, and it should just be a thing we do as a matter of course. Now when it comes to improving services, we also made sure to take concrete steps to make life better and fairer for women in Alberta. Notwithstanding Leo's, or, uh, Leroy's ability to give birth, most <laughs> other men cannot do that. Um, and in fact, um, uh, it's important for us to address what has been some historic iniqui- inequalities uh, faced by women in this province. And so I'm very proud to be leading the first cabinet uh, in the history of this province. And frankly, uh, we debate back and forth, but I believe the history of the country to be led by a majority of women, not just (laughs) 50-50. And that fact is reflected in every decision that we make. We are actively working to recruit, to recruit more women to our agencies, our boards, and our commissions. We have the first ministry responsible for the status of women ever in Alberta. We have significantly increased funding for women's shelters to help women fleeing violence, an increase the community had been asking for for 30 years from the previous government. We passed a law that made it easier for victims of domestic violence to get out of dangerous situations, including allowing women in danger to break rental agreements. We're providing more support to community projects that boost women's safety, economic security, and leadership opportunities. We brought in new family-friendly employment standards, standards that protect working moms from getting fired should they need to take time off uh, to take care for a child with leukemia. And here's a shameful fact. Before we came to government, a mom right here in Lethbridge, Amanda Jansen, got fired for exactly that reason, asking for time off because her child was diagnosed with leukemia. And here's another not so happy fact. The majority of minimum wage earners in Alberta are women, which is one of the reasons that I'm so proud. (coughs) <coughs> excuse me, that we are working to make real progress towards closing the gender pay gap in part uh, and, and also making real progress to fight poverty, again, disproportionately effect, um, uh, um, experienced by women by increasing our minimum wage to $15 an hour, something that will happen this fall in October. And on that point, I'd just like to thank some of the amazing business owners just from here in Lethbridge. Uh, Erica Plum, Kyle at Andrew Hilton, Fine Wines and Spirits, Wallace and Callie at Kapow Comics. These are all uh, business leaders and entrepreneurs from Lethbridge who've welcomed the wage increase and fought for it. And in so ma- there are so many more business owners who know that That no working person at the end of the day should finish a shift, should finish 40 hours of hard work at the end of the week and have to stop at the food bank in order to uh, care for and provide for their family. That's wrong. We can do better in a rich, uh, prosperous place like Alberta. We can do better, and we are going to do better. So... (laughs) Raising salaries for our lowest paid workers brings me to the final way that we are working to support people through the downturn, by making life more affordable. One of the first measures of our mandate when we first got elect was to bring in a progressive taxation system. We asked those who had benefited and were still benefiting the most from the boom times to contribute just a bit more to help others throughout the downturn and onward. That enabled us to do more to help many of the families who were hit the hardest. For instance, the Alberta Child Benefit. It has been heralded by many as one of the most significant anti-poverty measures introduced in Alberta in a generation. It provides badly needed support for over 380,000 Alberta children. That's hundreds of thousands of families who have a bit more for the essentials. Coats, toques and if spring ever decides to come, which actually it kind of did come today, uh, rubber boots to keep little feet dry. We froze tuition. We capped electricity rates. We cut school fees. And one of the programs I'm most proud of, we help kids get a good meal at school through our school nutrition program. Now, this is a small program, but with big effect. What a radical idea, making sure that kids have food to eat when they're in their schools. When we started the school nutrition program, it helped to make sure about 5,000 young Albertans got a healthy meal at school. This year, in the budget, we've been able to extend that program to 30,000 students. So, as you all know, the decisions that we made to support ordinary Albertans through the downturn hasn't been without its critics. They said we were killing the economy, killing jobs, killing dreams they said you shouldn't be investing in regular people you shouldn't be uh, what we should be doing instead is be we should be giving tax breaks to the richest and the most wealthy amongst us but we've heard all that before every time the boom turns to bust the same voices emerge demanding austerity pain and tough love but it's not austerity pain and tough love for them it is austerity pain and tough love for everyday families well guess what? With the measures that I just outlined and more, our plan is working. Exports are up. Manufacturing is up. Retail sales, drilling and jobs are all up. In fact, last year, Alberta created 90,000 new full-time jobs. Today, there are 2.3 million Albertans working, the most people working than ever at any point in our history. Those are all positive signs. But before, you know, people think that it's all, you know, ticker tape parade time, it's not. We know that we are not there yet. Not everyone yet has benefited from the recovery. And as far as I'm concerned, and as far as the people in my government are concerned, an economic recovery that doesn't reach everyone is no recovery at all. Our commitment is to make sure that this recovery is shared by more Albertans, not fewer. And we want everyone to share in the prosperity that we know Alberta can offer to all of its citizens. So with the recovery on its way and things starting to look up, the question before us now is this, how do we keep it going? How do we make sure it's built to last, and how do we make sure it's built for working people? It's to that question that I'd want to finally turn. With the recession beginning to fade into history, and the economy growing and creating jobs, Alberta faces a different set of economic circumstances that call on us to adjust, not discard, our strategy. We are doing this in two important ways. First, by investing to diversify in our economy and second, by charting a responsible path to a balanced budget. Let's look at each of these in turn, beginning with the economic diversification. We all want to get off the resource royalty roller coaster. It's no way to budget and it creates unnecessary uncertainty for hundreds of thousands of ordinary families. And while it will take time to diversify our economy, the days of sitting back, crossing our fingers and hoping that things will diversify themselves, are done. We must move on all fronts. We must get top dollar for the energy resources that we do export. We must create good jobs in diversified energy and in green energy. We must get more value out of our energy products here at home. We must support new and emerging industries across all sectors of our economy. And we must make sure that Albertans have this training and the skills that they need for the jobs of tomorrow. All that work is now underway. To diversify our export markets, we're fighting for new Canadian pipelines, to the Canadian coast. Now, I'm not actually going to spend a lot of time on this issue today. We'll see, unless it comes up in questions. But uh, because, you know, it is a a matter that I've been talking about a lot. But rest assured, I'm not going to let up until the TMX pipeline gets built. It is essential that we get more value out of our energy products. And it makes no sense for us to handcuff our economy, uh, which we do, when we send $50 million a day to Trump's United States in the form of discounted oil. That is dumb and we have to stop doing it. <laughs> when it comes down to it, even if oil and gas isn't as prevalent here in in, in Lethbridge as it is in other parts of the province, this pipeline fight is about you because it is these are our resources as citizens of this province and the, we are, they also help to support our other resources our hospitals our schools our communities and we're going to keep fighting for those resources for all of them because we know that's what Albertans rely on here's the other thing about this pipeline uh, which some of you here probably know more than many Albertans because of uh, of, our, of our Minister of Environment, it is backstopped by the strongest, most uh, comprehensive climate leadership plan on the continent. An accomplishment that, <coughs> excuse me, that quite frankly owes a great deal to the incredible work of, as we've already uh, introduced or talked about, your local MLA and Minister of the Environment, Shannon Phillips. Oil sand, yeah, give... Here in Alberta, oil sands emissions capped by law, coal emissions phased out entirely by 2030, methane emissions cut by nearly half, and an economy-wide price on carbon that is helping us create jobs, clean air, and diversification throughout our energy uh, industry. 5,000 megawatts of renewable energy will be built by Alberta by 2030. And this will account for $10 billion of investment and almost 10,000 new jobs. My friends, when I travel, which I do now more in this job, and sometimes I leave Alberta, it is amazing to hear how, how uh, innovators in renewable energy across this continent see Alberta as the place to be investing right now. That's because of our action on climate leadership. Just just uh, in I think it was December or January, we did round one of our renewable energy program uh, auctions and we set a record for the lowest price ever achieved in Canadian history. We attracted $1 billion of investment from international and Alberta-based companies, including two projects just outside of Pincher Creek. Now, I've got to say, There is a persistent myth out there that investing in green energy means turning your back on the hardworking people in our traditional energy sector. That myth is just that. A myth. And I've said it before and I will say it again. No climate change plan that ignores working people and the need for a just transition can ever succeed. It is bound to fail. And that is why Our climate leadership plan protects our energy industry from Ottawa imposing its own plan on us without working together collaboratively. It reinvests the uh, carbon revenue into clean tech jobs. It supports coal workers and coal communities as we transition to cleaner, healthier ways to generate power. It makes sure our trade-exposed industries remain competitive, and it helps to secure a stronger future for our province in a carbon-constrained world. You know, it's tough, just y- y- when, uh, democracy is a wonderful thing, but one element of it is that it, we operate on four year cycles. It's often hard to make big policy decisions that are designed to last for generations to come. I'm very proud though, that with this climate leadership plan, that's exactly what we've been able to achieve. So, to be stronger and more resilient, we have to do just a little bit more. We also have to get more value out of the energy products that we do produce here at home. And so that's why we have also, in uh, just the last two or three weeks, uh, introduced legislation that will get new petrochemical plants built and we will invest in new ways to add value to our natural gas feedstock. And it's why we're doing more to upgrade our energy resource and keep more wealth and jobs from those energy resources here in Alberta. Just a couple of weeks ago, we announced that we would also be working with industry to support the first partial upgrader ever to be built in Alberta. And this will make our oil lighter, increasing our existing pipeline capacity, and increase the number of refineries that we can ship to. So Alberta had the opportunity to recruit that kind of investment many, many years ago, uh, especially when it comes to petrochemicals. Uh, a huge investment wave came across North America. Unfortunately, in the past, the government sat back, did nothing, and our province missed out. However, and so, unfortunately, as a, re- as a result of that, we didn't have investments made here. They were mostly met and made in places like Louisiana. But we're not going to let that happen again. We are going to make sure that we get the best out of our products. So in that same spirit, the spirit of making sure that we are ready for what we know is coming, we are making major investments in education and training in new and emerging areas. What do I mean by major investments? Well, we announced 3,000 new post-secondary spaces dedicated solely to technology, new scholarship programs to support technology and other emerging sectors, and a new tax credit to bring more digital media jobs to Alberta. Our tech sector is growing. There are jobs that can't be filled today because they are having trouble finding people with the skills and the training. So there's a real opportunity there. It's the same reason we invested in the new science building at the University of Lethbridge, more teaching and and research space, more opportunities for students and faculty, more help for people who are ready to take their ideas from research to market, and more good jobs to be created right here in Lethbridge. So my friends, all of this, diversification, takes place in an economic environment that is very different than one we inherited. As we invest to create stronger, more diversified, more resilient province, we also have to work to bring our finances back to balance. And this is the last little piece I'm going to talk to you about today. The budget we introduced last week keeps us on a reasonable path to balance without cutting the services people need. Most people don't know this, but by rolling out a budget that shows our six-year path, we've done something that no provincial government in Alberta has ever done. We've provided more detail, more information about exactly how we're going to get there. And we've done it on the basis of reasonable, conservative assumptions. It starts with a few elements, a calculated and measured stabilization of capital spending. With the private sector picking up steam now, government investment can be refocused. And as well, we are going to manage stable stability and predictability in government growth at a level that is is roughly uh, around 3% going forward so we're going to move away from the dips and the and the big increases and in the sort of rocky mountain graph that we tend to uh, to see when we look back at how this province has been managed over the last many many years Um, We are also uh, working to to bring equity in terms of uh, public sector pay, so our government uh, uh, released the sunshine list for agency boards and commissions when we first got elected and we introduced a compensation framework to bring executive salaries into line with what was being paid in other parts of the country. The mindset that in the past allowed for sky palaces, for taxpayer-funded golf club memberships, uh, for public executives, for big government hospitality bills, that should not ever be allowed to return. That is not how you responsibly and respectfully manage the public purse. Finally, our budget lays out a clear path to balance by 2023, built on more stable long-term revenue sources. In addition to the tax reforms that we made that I outlined at the beginning of my talk when we moved back to a progressive tax system um, and the increase on taxes that we made for profitable corporations beginning in 2021, the federal carbon tax revenue will be used to support public services and balance the budget. Budget 218 is also built on very conservative assumptions regarding the price of oil and the impact of the oil price differential. Um, Now, it is true that uh, steps could be taken to balance the budget more quickly. But just as it would have been uh, a serious mistake to cut services and fire teachers and nurses during the recession, it would also be a mistake to knock more people down, just as so many Albertans are getting back on their feet. At the end of the day, budgets are about choices and about values. They help answer a fundamental question about the kind of society that we are building. Budget 218 is aimed at a strong recovery with a clear path to balance to protect healthcare and education and to diversify our economy. It's that simple. If we keep to the plan, Alberta can finally break the cycle of boom and bust and we can uh, move away from that cycle that has for far too long characterized our economy and our public services. And in that way, we can build a recovery that is truly designed to last. From the day we took office, through the recession and now into recovery, we have strengthened and improved the things that matter most to working people. And now, things are looking up. But, as I've said, we're not there yet. There's more work to do and more people to help to experience the recovery. But my friends, I'm excited to have the opportunity to hear your thoughts. So I am going to leave my remarks pretty much. I only have another ten minutes. Just kidding. I'm mostly done. Uh, I really, really, really do uh, thank you very, very much for the opportunity to speak with all of you. And I look forward to to hearing your interesting questions. And, and again, I feel... Uh, uh, very privileged to be able to be here in, in a room of so many engaged and thoughtful citizens uh, here in the amazing community of Lethbridge. So uh, thank you for listening so quietly um, for such a long time uh, to all that I've had to say. And um, it's been a pleasure to address you. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Premier Notley, and thank you to Shannon and Professor Littlebear. And and in my haste to get this thing going, I forgot to introduce Lethbridge East MLA Maria Fitzpatrick. All you need to know about her is this: my my mother is old and gray-haired and retired and spent her entire life waiting for someone for someone in government to to represent her. She finally got it when Maria and Rachel won their elections. And that was worth a round of applause, I think. <laughs> I need I need to thank a few people: Shaw Television, the Lethbridge Herald, CKX, UFM, um, all the media that cover Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs events. You see them around; they're taking pictures, generally getting in the way. Uh, we need to thank the University of Lethbridge for its support. We need to thank South, Southminster United Church. This is a wonderful venue for this, and it's the only venue we've got that can hold all of you big, rowdy crowd. Some some of you who are here who have never been before, the next session is April 5th at noon at the Legion on Mayor McGrath Drive. That's the new venue for SACPAW. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing a lot of you there because a packed house is really good for the speaker. And the speaker this next week will be Brian Kolb from the university. Dr. Kolb is, probably one of the 10 smartest people in North America when it comes to neuroscience. He's going he's going to be talking, his speech, the topic is can neuroscience help First Nations communities heal? Uh, I've interviewed Dr. Cole before for various newspaper pieces. He's one of the two smartest people I know. It, he's, he's absolutely amazing. It'll be a, an absolutely great talk, so please come on out. Um, sessions are again available for download on sacpaw.ca or on iTunes. All the everywhere you get a podcast, you can get this session in its entirety. and I've talked quite enough. So now I'm just going to jump into a question. Uh, we get a lot of really good questions. I, I've tried to pick a couple that sort of stay on topic, uh, and I'm going to hit you with two right off the bat, and they're going to be fast. The first one is, uh, why build a pipeline when non-renewable energies, when this energy use is going to be phased out? And, and secondly, the, the carbon tax, you talked about what the money's going to. Will there be a dollar-for-dollar dollar accounting of where that carbon tax is going?
2: Okay. Well, d- uh, let me just start with the with the, with the pipeline. Um, the reality is is that uh, we uh, that that the world is going to need ro- non renewable resources for some time to come. It is true that that across the world we are seeing. Uh, a, a Really, sort of revolutionary technologies and revolutionary levels of effort to reduce our reliance on non-renewable resource energy, but but it's it's not going to happen uh, in in the uh, short term by any means, and uh, it's primarily for industrial development. When you when you invest in in major capital in, uh, industry pro- uh, projects that that are pr- uh, based on non-renewable energy resources, then you're going to use those for the length of that investment. That's just the way it is. So. Uh as a, as a nation, we have a choice. Uh, are we going to provide our resource uh, to that market and use the, the, uh, the profits from that resource to reinvest in our own diversification, uh, in our own economic repositioning, uh, in our own uh, community development, or are we going to uh, just let that... Uh, slip away from us. The fact of the matter is, is that um, uh, the non-renewable, the energy sector, contributes a massive amount to our economic uh, health, our economic growth, uh, and to jobs and to wealth generation in in the country of Canada. And so, what we need to do then is make sure that we get the best return. On, on this product that we possibly can. Um, and, and that's what this pipeline to Canadian Tidewater is all about. Uh, if we don't do that, then we, we end up selling into a market that has become our biggest competitor. And, and we become uh, subject to the decision-making of the people who run that particular market. And, you know, we're going to have a long conversation about that right now. But uh, let's just say that, it, you know, the U.S. is one market, but perhaps we should, you know, hedge our bets a bit and find some other places that we could sell to. So that's the point. And the other point is that uh, the minute you start putting, uh, the, the, the product will be produced and sold regardless because the investment is already there. Uh, in the capital. We can sell it through rail, but by doing that, we, short, uh, we, we shortchange ourselves dramatically. And so we need the capacity to keep the product off of rail um, and and to maximize the return for for all Canadians. So that is why we are working so hard um, to get this pipeline built. And I could go on much longer about pipeline economics, but I think I've probably covered it. In terms of the issue with respect to the carbon levy, uh, we are absolutely going to be uh, very transparent in terms of how that money is spent. Uh, The Auditor General has already taken a first pass on the climate leadership plan and the work that we've done there. And quite honestly, you know, generally speaking, I mean, he identified things that we can improve on for sure. But he, his general assessment was that uh, this was a, a very rigorously developed uh, brand new public policy throw that is being um, very well managed. Um, with a great deal of of thoughtfulness and and attention to detail and accountability. So uh, we're moving forward uh, with the the plan, and uh, what we've got thus far is investments in a whole range of areas, and I suppose I could probably talk for another 20 minutes on that, and and so I won't, but I will simply say that uh, uh, there will be definitely a clear accounting at all times for the way we are Mostly at this, I mean everything right now. The the z- the zero to thirty dollar levy is fully being reinvested uh, into emissions reducing initiatives uh, throughout the province, which coincidentally also help support uh, economic growth and
0: diversification. My next question is is another simple one, just an easy one. Uh, it, it's with respect to seniors health care and, and the various aspects of seniors health care. It, it's something that matters in Lethbridge As we have, we have an aging population a lot. We're a nice retirement center, except for this winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, seniors health care services, what's the government doing? What, what's the government changing with regards to, to seniors health care? That includes support for pharmaceutical industries, things like that, drug subsidization. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole umbrella there. Uh, does the province have anything planned there? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, at, th- at this point, what I, I mean, I, I would say that probably the, the hallmark feature of, of our work on that, uh, and, and this sounds often very boring, and I wish I could sort of sit, throw up a great big flashy thing, but but honestly, uh, stability and predictability in terms of funding uh, our public health care system is fundamental. Because every time you blow something up and try to create something new, as happened almost every two years with the previous government, in part because they were constantly experimenting with ways to privatize more, um, you then uh, undermine the quality of service. So that's, of course, the first thing. But that being said, uh, we, uh, we we ran on the commitment to create new long-term care spaces. We've already reached the target that we ran on in terms of the new spaces that have been created, but we're hoping to, to go well beyond that. Um, uh, in the the next uh, year and a half. Um, We are also working um, uh, to improve home care services. We've invested additional money into home care. Um, We are also working uh, with um, our medical professionals to ensure uh, that we're able to deliver our healthcare in the right place at the right time by the right person so that we're not uh, sending people off to to get medical care from uh, doctors that can be just as easily, or perhaps better, provided by by nurse practitioners or nurses, that kind of thing. Um, we are also supporting our seniors uh, with with programs that help them stay at home longer. So that's another piece that that our Ministry of Seniors and Housing has been leading, um, and uh, and so that work continues. So you you're it is actually again, a very big topic, and it spans two, maybe three ministries. Um, and, and so uh, there's a lot of work going on in, in all of them to maintain and improve the level of service that people are able to count on um, as
0: they age. Thank you. That was excellent. Um, <laughs> so I guess my, my final one is... Uh, let me just sift through my questions here as I'm running out of hands. Uh, the other one is also... Uh, we're going to stay in healthcare if that's all right. Uh, and, and the question is uh, specifically referring to sort of uh, w- women's health services in this area particularly, which has mm-hmm. been, a, I think, something, I mean, there's no surgical abortion service in Alberta, that's, that's a legal case that was settled a long time ago, but there is no service like that. Uh, women's health care services specifically in areas like Lethbridge and rural mm-hmm. areas, uh, any plans down that way?
2: Well, you know, we've we've certainly had conversations uh, with our Minister of Health. She's very concerned about this issue. We know that we don't uh, provide the level of services that that women need, and that that, uh, distance is another way of essentially denying the service. So um, we are looking at ways that that we can address that matter. Um, We have no specific plans this moment that I can announce or tell you about, but uh, we absolutely believe that it is something that that, uh, women should be able to access with a free free of, of harassment, free of, of any kind of, of attack or anything like that. And so we will be taking action on that matter uh, in this legislative session uh, to ensure that women are protected uh, and the people who provide these services are protected uh, when they seek them. Um, but we need to do more because, quite frankly, uh, it, it's it's not universally accessible. if. If you uh, have to spend hundreds of dollars to travel to communities hours and hours away uh, to receive those services, and uh, we know that.
0: I've got I've got time for one more. Look at that, <laughs> I, I'm getting I'm getting the cues from the front row, so I, I have to I have okay. to stay on their schedule. Uh, the other question is one that is a a, a social justice issue. Uh, Conversion therapy for minors, uh, Mm -hmm. petitioning the federal government. This is something that that seems to come up in in headlines more than it does in everyday discussion, but it's something that I think is important to a section of Albertans Mm -hmm. who who are worried about sort of the mistreatment of of minorities, particularly when it comes to sexuality and sexual identity and things Mm -hmm. like that. And and condemning this conversion therapy is something that seems to be slow going at the federal level and and at the provincial level. Mm
2: Well, we uh, it's interesting we've had conversations about it uh, I know that we've had more than uh, more than one uh, of our of our uh, caucus want to bring forward uh, and and potentially I'm not exactly sure where it sits right now but it, uh, private members' bills banning conversion therapy we know it's a practice that is uh, absolutely not acceptable um, We also uh, I mean I think part of the conversation that we've had is that right now through uh, various professional responsibility mechanisms the issue is that it should not, happening because it is in fact uh, irresponsible and it is it is bad uh, um, bad practice of psychology bad practice of medicine bad practice of of education it's it's not in the best interest of the child and so through the range of, of um, professional bodies you should be able in some respects to just stop it from there because it is so bad it's just not it, it's it would it would run up against the professional standards of any, um, of, of any person that was purporting to do that. Uh, that being said, uh, we are still looking at it, and we're, try- we're trying to get a clear sense of how big the problem actually is in Alberta. Uh, and, uh, and we are consulting with people in the community, in the LGBTQ community, to find out uh, the degree to which it is a serious problem here in Alberta. And certainly, if we uh, are finding that it, it is a problem, then we will act, because it's
0: just not cool. Well, thank you very much, Uh, Premier Notley, and I just, one more time, uh, this is, she broke a decade's generational uh, (laughs) stranglehold on Alberta politics, Uh, Premier Rachel Notley. Mm